It began with two friends discussing podcast ideas in an itsu. They forget the mighty lost concepts. Punching ourselves in the face before the other one can get to us. I like it. How about ranking badges by size and likability? I like it. For a while, they were lost. Until one day, one of them, I forget which, happened upon the concept that would destroy them both. How about, how about we watch bad movies and look for good things in them? Yeah, okay. History becomes legend. Legend becomes myth. And myth becomes something vaguer than myth. And now, they must face their greatest challenge yet. A moderately successful series of blockbusters. Welcome to One Good Fake, the podcast that hasn't been able to sit quietly for fucking years, mate. <laughs> Stop trying to destroy our peace of mind. I'm Paul Doilies. Oh, God, I didn't, didn't even write a thing. I thought I did. <laughs> it's been a busy week, mate. It's been a busy week. There you go. I'm Paul. Hello. <laughs> oh, that's lovely, actually. I feel like I yeah. know you a bit better now. Ooh. Now that it's not just all hidden behind bullshit. Just jokes. Wall-to-wall <laughs> jokes, mate. Wall to wall. Uh, we are back into regular episodes for a bit, and so yeah. in the same spirit in which we reviewed the Star Wars prequels trilogy, we thought we might, this might be the time to have an intermittent mm. go at Peter Jackson's The Hobbit trilogy, starting yeah. with his 2012 film, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. My dear Frodo, you asked me once if I had told you everything there was to know about my adventures. While I can honestly say I have told you the truth, I may not have told you all of it. Bilbo Baggins, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. Unexpected experience. Unexpected is the word. You can have that. Apparently, apparently The Hobbit was part of Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh's original pitch to Miramax in the mid-90s, where they would have a trilogy. The first one is The Hobbit, and then movies two and three are Lord of the Rings. Fuck me, what a nightmare that would have been. Mental. Absolute insanity. Well, like, you, you know, the idea, yeah, the idea was to have Lord of the Rings as two movies, and then the studio yeah. went, well, we can make more money if we release it as three. And After somebody left Miramax, yeah. yeah and, and somebody went, oh, that makes sense, three books. And, uh, and also, yeah, <laughs> we just do whatever the studio says. And it's the most <laughs> obvious way of doing this. Yeah, exactly. Like, why was it ever not that? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, we, you have to remember that fantasy was not in the place it is now. At the time, this was a big risk to adapt Lord of the Rings, a movie is enjoyed only by the unemployed. Books, I meant. The books, yeah. I call books oh, movies. It's going to be one of those days. It's incredibly I call confusing. Them movies now because my generation is broken. Mm. Luckily, United Artists owned the distribution rights to a Hobbit movie, so they had to proceed with just the Lord of the Rings. Oh! Oh, God. That's a shame. We couldn't. Fuck this. <laughs> uh, the project moves from the Weinstein Territory Miramax to Sleepy Bob Shea's house at New Line <laughs> Cinema, where Lord of the Rings trilogy gets made and everyone loves it. And you mm. all know the next part. Guillermo del Toro uh, gets involved to make... A new Hobbit franchise, it's going to be two Mm -hmm. movies, then there's legal issues that cause delays, Del Toro Mm -hmm. leaves after two years of pre-production. Imagine, like, preparing for a party for two years and then you don't get invited. Because the unions blacklist you. (laughs) 
you get any hope over your terrible practices. None of this is true. Uh, Jackson takes over, but has barely any time to prepare, causing him to start without a finished script. Why not? What could go wrong? That always works that out well. That always works it all, brilliantly. It, it always works out well. The Union's blacklisting. <clears throat> it's true. What? Union's blacklist Del Toro? I didn't read that. No, no, not Del Toro, but the production. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll get to the Union stuff. Don't worry about that. That's, okay, that's cool. coming after the movie starts to get made. We always we always get onto the Union stuff. We always get onto the Union stuff. It's what the fans love. Um, And Peter Jackson films it in 3D and high frame rate for some reason. Yeah. I guess he decided that what his fantasy, sort of whimsical, slightly fairy tale story needed was sharp, high definition. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cold beyond, beyond, clinical precision. Beyond the perception of the human eye. <laughs> and yet still making everything seem unnatural. It's a wonderful yeah. trade-off that I loved. They then yeah. decide that it should be three movies a few months before the premiere of the first movie. Jesus so, Christ. Here's a quick list why it's, uh, list of reasons why it's bad that Del Toro left. <laughs> uh, Del Toro was committed to creating a new aesthetic for the film that felt more like a fairy tale. Yep. He wanted to use more animatronics and practical effects. Mm-hmm. He wanted it to be two movies and not three, <laughs> crucially. Yep. He yep. wanted to tie the film in thematically with Tolkien's experience of the First World War and avoid the glorification of violence. Would have been interesting. Okay. Mm. He would have cast Ron Perlman, Ian McShane, and Doug Jones. Wow. And he is Guillermo del Toro. And he's Guillermo del Toro and he's done all the yeah. things. Yeah, he's done all the good things yeah. that he's done. So, yeah, great shame. Yeah. <sighs> it's a great Ian McShane. Right, let's get on to the union stuff. Hey, brilliant. Oh, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> We know why people came. Massive industrial disputes in New Zealand. Warner Brothers and New Zealand offered the film workers of New Zealand a shit deal. Mm. They pushed back, so the producers threatened to move the production to Eastern Europe, where no one cares. Great. Uh, the New Zealand government gets nervous about the production being uh, leaving, leaving and taking the Middle Earth tourists with it. So they meet with Warner Brothers executives. The government of the country, including the Prime Minister, do this. Wow. And after two days of talks, it is agreed that the production shall stay in New Zealand. Fantastic. I just imagine... Oh, and in return... Yeah. The government's going to introduce legislation to remove the rights of workers to organise trade unions in the film production industry. Oh, brilliant. And it gets, it gets passed into law. Oh, okay. So yeah. that was... When did Jacinda Ardern come into power now? Ooh, after this, I hope. Yeah, definitely, right? She's not been there for it... 12 years. Yeah, ha- she's only. it's been under 12 years, hasn't it, now? It must have been. Since... Or oh, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, okay, This cool. was all like 2010, this awful thing was happening. <laughs> okay, cool, yeah. Oh, yeah, so, okay, that's fine. I was going to say, Still... it doesn't seem like a Jacinda Ardern thing to do. But, uh... It doesn't. It just seems like madness, right? Can you yeah. imagine if, like, you weren't allowed to have a union anymore? Because they weren't going to make the Matrix in your country. Mm. Can you, can you, you don't need to finish that sentence, Paul. Could you just imagine if you weren't allowed to have a union anymore? <laughs> can you imagine how crazy that would be? In this day and age? Yeah. There is also evidence that, that the production was never moving overseas and that an agreement had already been reached before any of this happened. And that this was all just an excuse for the um, New Zealand government to crush worker rights. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy's 13 hour shift sure <laughs> Timmy's been stuck in Mangle again <laughs> we can, we're introducing child slave labour labor now <laughs> because mangles. Warner Brothers wanted us to <laughs> it all oh, tracks God. it makes sense to me a film boy critical reaction to this gross human uh, rights violation was mixed <laughs> like 13 unexpected smelly house guests but they each brought you a free hug oh. so what are you well. going to do you're going to have each of those. You've got to. Oh, imagine 13 hugs. You'd want them in blocks, right? Blocks of three. I, and then a, a, then a last one. After a while, you just get a bit hot. Slightly above average body temperature. 
you don't want to take them all at once. You're not going to enjoy hugs four, four onwards, 13, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's meaningless. <laughs> we do this over the meaning a week. Of <laughs> yeah. Or one a one day. after each meal. One a yeah. day and then a day off at the end of the fortnight. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'll take that in the middle, actually. <laughs> Every Sundays other day. are just for this guy. <laughs> Robbie Collin very poetically said for the Daily Telegraph, as a lover of cinema, Jackson's film bored me rigid. As a lover of Tolkien, broke my heart. Oh, oh Robbie oh. Collin. Somebody fix sure. Robbie Collin. Show him the Green Knight immediately. It's all going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You've got 10 years of, of bad, but then Green Knight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then Green Knight. Uh, public reaction was also mixed. Like, oh. dragon, I don't know. Yeah, like a dragon who's bad tummy. I was forced to leave production before that joke got finished. Uh, Thomas Emery at Google said, mm-hmm. I don't know what the big deal is. These movies rock. Can we all just objectively agree that these movies are better than, <laughs> as a whole than those 2000s movies? Granted, I give them a ton of credit for making something out of Tolkien's dreadful writing, but still, terrible CGI. Oh, yeah, that's God. what I think when I think of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You got this, yeah. You, do you know what? Lord of the Rings was made too early when they couldn't just rely on CGI. Do you think my, maybe my he accidentally gripe. saw Dungeons and Dragons? Accidentally, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> is this on, is this on Google, was this on Google Reviews? Yeah, or? of course it's on Google Reviews. Where oh, else am I going to go Google get Reviews. idiots now? <laughs> I can't no, go Yahoo back. I can't go back to Amazon or eBay now. <laughs> I've discovered the vast country of Google Reviews. Fucking hell. It's like Kalid play Elden Ring. <laughs> All right, well... Uh, you wait here. <laughs> um, some very promising two men. Richard Armitage was in The Phantom Menace. Was he now? Doing what? He was. Uh, Naboo fighter pilot. Oh, okay. R- running away from the camera. <laughs> no, no, you can't catch me. If you can't catch me, I'm not in it. He's exactly in costume for Hannibal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, free to a man. Free in a bush. Free. Free. Christopher Lee is a foreman, thanks to two prequels and a howling. Oh, yeah. Amen. Stirb. Karen. Uh, Hugo, Weaving is a, Hugo Weaving is a three-man, thanks to Transformers 2 and The Matrix Revolutions. The film has 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm. 58 on Metacritic, 7.8 on IMDb, 8, 87 on Google, destroyed its feature, <laughs> and made over $1 billion. <laughs> That's so much money. That's so much money. Uh, so, Paul, you gloin. Um... Uh, <laughs> like Gloin says what's one thing about The Hobbit an unexpected franchise that made you want to go on an adventure I'm just gonna get oh. my char- charger <laughs> speaking of <laughs> an adventure oh, oh hang on James Nesbitt is in it and uh, oh, he's James great. Nesbitt I love that I love how diverse The Hobbit accents are yeah looking for the Scouse one <laughs> I, I, I watched something oh it was, it was Alien 3 that I watched where there was a, a prominent Scouse man in it so uh, oh, yeah. that's another that's another story. Um, yeah, uh, James Nesbitt is in it, and yeah. um, he he's what I would call the middle of the spectrum of the uh, the believability of dwarf <laughs> uh, dwarven costumes in this. Yes, yeah, in, in which so. he is the most <laughs> with his curvy hat and face. And then you've either got too too pretty or too shiny. <laughs> what about too grotty? Yeah, it's part of the shiny. All right. Oh, God. Well, let's explore what happens in this movie. So old Bilbo is dildoing around his hobbit hole when he suddenly (laughs) starts reminiscing about the city of Dale. But enough about that. Erebor. (laughs) (laughs) Erebor is super rich because gold. And then one day a dwarf with a particularly problematic nose finds a very, very bright jewel, uh, which the elves just can't get enough of. But oh, no, everyone gets too into it because it's just too shiny. Oh, my God. 
Much like Transformers, the movie. Much like it. And then a big bloody dragon shows up. Mm. And special effects not finalized yet. Oh, he he hates missing. balconies, towers, and kite representations of his race. So he burns all of those. He burns <laughs> yeah. the whole town of Dale. Remember Dale? Yeah, probably. I remember Erebor. Which is such bullshit because they didn't set that up at all. And I already named my kids Smaug. <laughs> Very angry. Betrayal of the fans. That, that, that's on them. Smaug moves in and dwarves try to make it work for a while with him, but it, there's a big difference um, being a homeowner and a lodger, so they move on, leaving all their gold, yep. including the very bright gem. Also, yeah. Pan 10 the elf showed up, but didn't bloody do anything. What a oh, dick. Bloody Lee Pace himself. Fucking dick. Lee Piss, more like. The dwarfed prince found odd jobs to support the pe- to support his people. Found odd job. Yeah, found odd job. And with him, he started <laughs> to do like little bits of around. work, you know, painted yeah. the odd fence. Bit of an anticlimactic <laughs> end, but hey, that's the prologue. <laughs> so now Bilbo is going to sit down and he's going to start the story again, where it probably should have mm. started in the first place. Let's just yeah. massively change the writing style. In a hole in the yeah. ground, there lived a. Oh, look, it's Frodo! Oh my God, Frodo from um. Oh, he was in um. He was in um. Oh, he was, he was in, in um, black and white. The football one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's quickly cover everything important that happens in this extra Frodo sequence. So back in the actual story, Gandalf yep. shows up and meets young Bilbo. Oh my god. Oh, um, Martin Freeman wishes him uh, a good morning and yeah. uh, Gandalf is incredibly obtuse and it doesn't come across <laughs> that way in the book. Good morning. What do you mean? Do you mean to wish me a good morning or do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Or perhaps you mean to say that you feel good on this particular morning? Or are you simply stating that this is a morning to be good on? <laughs> yes, they have some dialogue which really stands out for some reason. It's been quite different from all the dialogue we've had so far. Like it's from a book or something. Yeah, with that. But anyway, um, they don't make it work either way. No. And, Gandalf says, I'm um, looking for someone to share in an adventure, his Tinder profile. Um, <laughs> he manages to fob him off. But uh, then yeah. 13 distinct and memorable dwarf characters show up that night. There's Ken oh, yes. Stott, Rebus. There's <laughs> yep. the brothers, Boyzone and Westlife. Yep. James Nesbitt. James Nesbitt. Um, and nine others. <laughs> nine others. <laughs> One of them's fat, um, another one's deaf. Eight hours, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, good, good. It's, it's a good thing with all the, uh, the time and effort that went into crafting these individual dwarven personalities that they didn't waste any time on, um, on, on sets for the, all the characters to be around one another. Um, when you, and yeah. why would you when you can, you can just get um, 13 sticks with lights and faces on them um, for Ian McKellen to, to point to until he bursts into tears? <laughs> they cause a massive mess, eat a lot of food, and do some now-you-see-me stuff with the dishes. And, uh, yeah. Sing as good as that sounds. Sing the first song. Yeah, Never brilliant. Mind. That's what Bilbo Baggins hates! Never mind that, though. The brooding dwarf arrives. Well, maybe he wants oh. to sing about nonsense as well, but there's no time because he's gonna, he's gonna, he's here to talk exactly like Sean Bean and be a bit smouldery. I thought you said this place would be easy to find. I lost my way twice. Wouldn't have found it at all had it not been for that mark on the door. You fat bastard. And 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 hate Bilbo Baggins. Just hate him. <laughs> Fucking Everything hate he this stands chump. for. He hates this house. He hates his doilies. He doesn't want to wipe my ass on the door. It's just stupid doily swat. <laughs> wipe my ass on your face, you prick. So the plan <laughs> is: kill the dragon, take back the kingdom, 
and all the treasure. Mm. And uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Gandalf has a key and a map, which very cleverly and subtly points out a secret door in the mountain with a massive fucking finger pointing at it. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> secret and, entrance uh, here. Oh, oh boy. Ooh. Good thing no one else has this. But I won't get one free. Yeah. <laughs> so they all want um, to recruit yeah. Bilbo as a burglar. Yeah. Well, he's clearly unqualified and he doesn't want to go. Well, I guess that's settled. Yep, I'm happy. Yep, me too. Enough! He's coming and that's it. I can't help. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, he does that thing. He does that thing when he goes big and booms his voice and it goes dark. Like oh, I in love um that. like in um like in um cats. Oh something. Yeah, like in cats. Yeah. He does that. <laughs> I'm Goss of the Theatre Door. <laughs> I cannot guarantee his safety. Understood. Nor will I be responsible for his fate. I can't guarantee his safety. That's fine, mate. Yeah. Nor will I be responsible for his fate. Oh fuck! I was hoping you'd do, you would be that. Oh, fuck! I am still going to hate him unreasonably. <laughs> I just really want that gold back. Gandalf tries to convince Bilbo to risk his life using some out-of-place whimsy and the power of toxic masculinity. I'll be all right. Just let me sit quietly for a moment. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. Tell me, when did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? Mm. Doilies? You're a disgrace, son. <laughs> There is no subjective way of living life, mate. It's go, yeah, out, go out there and exactly. grab life by the neck. Snowboarding. Come on. I'm fucking happy, you piece of shit. So in the morning, they've all gone. Mm. But Bilbo decides, actually, yeah, I'm going to run after them. Bloody all hell, the fairy tale magic that 4K hyper frame rate can offer. Oh, boy. Anyway, scene missing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Bilbo's there, everyone. He's, he's oh. there. And I can't wait they, to see what I kind of hijinks wait. they get into next. Oh boy. They camp for the night, and yep. uh, one of them tells Bilbo, there are orcs out there that'll cut your throat. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, yeah. great. So there aren't killer orcs out there? Oh, no, there are. Hmm. I was just, just kidding about how dangerous the situation is yeah. and how you're probably going to die. I was kidding about that. I was kidding about funny how funny because it is. Because it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, and if Fuck. you don't think it's funny, then you can't take a joke. <laughs> you know what? You're just a cuck. I don't know why I'm here. Anyway, <laughs> this is all very boring to the teen lads who came. So let's remember a big battle that happened. There was a great big orc who particularly who was particularly pissed at Broody Beanie Dwarf. Killed his granddad yeah. and drove his dad mad. Oh, God. Wow. Well, that's a real sad sad. <laughs> I didn't expect that to come out that way. But then Broody <laughs> but Beanie did, Dwarf... Poetry. Broody Beanie Dwarf picked up a bit of mm. wood whilst desperately trying to keep himself alive. And so we called him Beanie Shitty Bit of Wood Dwarf for the rest of his life. Twat. He's my king. <laughs> He's my twat king, and I'll follow him all the way. Twat. Um, Pissy bit of wood king. <laughs> Pissy bit of wouldn't believe it if he saw it with your own stupid twatty eyes king. Love him. And um, and uh, that's brilliant, day. Martin Freeman. So what does that have? Any, what does that have to do with anything that we're doing? What? Next scene. <laughs> Next scene. They're out walking, and uh, Bilbo oh, asks, "Are there other wizards like you?" Oh yeah, there's Christopher Lee and yeah. uh, Doolittle. Yeah. And speaking of Doolittle. Um, he suspects the world is evil because a hedgehog got sick. Yeah. So he rides his nonsense sledge off to investigate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck reality, kids. <laughs> Bilbo, Boyzone, and Westlife go after two ponies that got got. Yeah. And then they get got got. Oh, no. By tr- trolls. Comic relief trolls. Oh, and it starts with the line from the book, and it's not as good as it is in the book, um, poten- <laughs> potentially because it's a fucking nightmare. And then um, loads of things happen that didn't happen didn't happen in the book. Oh, no. and I'm all for things not happening in the book, happening in movies. That's the beauty of movies, but yeah. it's not good in this case. 
<laughs> you have to do good things, that's the trick. <gasps> Luckily, they managed to do some awkward improv just long enough for the sun to come up, giving the trolls just a few precious seconds to awkwardly get into the poses that they were in the first. Brilliant, but I still fucking hate you, Bilbo, says Thorin. Wait, Thorin, you look like you were, you were onto what Bilbo was doing, so you told us all to shut up. Yeah, I was, but I still think he's yeah. a dick. <laughs> Thanks for saving us, d- d- dick f- head. Yeah. Bilbo. Anyway. Never mind this dick. So when do trolls come this far south? Not since... <gasps> the next movie. <clears throat> Not since Sunday. <laughs> they get some upgraded loot and then Doolittle catches up with them on his nonsense sledge. Brilliant. A- and he says that he sensed... <gasps> the next movie. Oh my god. Oh no. Can't wait for that. Oh god, that's going to be great. Love it when films just spend most of their time setting up the next movie. <laughs> but oh so no, the leftover orcs have caught up with them. Oh. Doolittle offers a, um, sorry, I cut the joke earlier where I set up why they're called the leftover orcs, because I theorised they were left over from Del Toro's production, because some of them were practical. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. I mean, they're one of my good things. I wondered why. Uh... <laughs> You'll catch that in the extended edition of this plot rundown. <laughs> oh, I get it now. Uh, Doolittle offers to draw them off, but they'll catch you. I'd like to see them try. So he immediately just pisses off and they all lose track of him and come after our heroes again. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, look. Thanks. It's thanks for buying us four minutes. <laughs> he was true to his word. They didn't catch him. <laughs> true. So they'll, they'll come to us galled and, uh, and doubting of their own abilities. <laughs> we didn't manage to catch up with a guy being pulled by fucking rabbits. We're a disgrace. <laughs> they've lost their bottle. We're a bunch of knobs. And as a result, nice one, our heroes guess. managed to... Our heroes managed to get into a cave that leads to Rivendale. Oh, wow. Fuck me, we're only at Rivendale, they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Bilbo? Ah, oh, nothing, mate. <laughs> they meet Agent Smith, who meets the dwarves and says something to them in a language that I assumed was dwarvish. But no, it was elvish. Yeah. What a dick move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he, is he insulting us? No, he's offering you food. Why didn't he say it in a language we were just speaking in? <laughs> it was going fine. <laughs> Sorry, I don't speak very, good, very much English. <laughs> What would an offensive elvish accent sound like if you, like, someone non-elfish was trying to do an impression of an elf? God. Oh, look at me, I'm old elvish. Jim Broadbent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you broadbent it, that's it. He tells them that they need to get to um, where they're going Fuck. by a very specific day. There's no time to waste then. Yeah. Let's, uh, we've got to get on with this adventure. Oh my god, Galadriel! Oh my god! Saruman! Oh my god! All my favourite characters, oh. and they're still in their original packaging. Brilliant, they're from, um, they're from, um, oh, they're, um... Notes on a scandal and um, oh, <laughs> Howling Two. Howling, yeah, Howling Two was. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking Howling was he in Howling Two? I think he was in at least one of the Howlings. Brilliant. Ah, oh, tell you what, that's brilliant. Let's let's do nothing for eleven minutes or so. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. the dwarves get bored and leave in an attempt to make their own movie happen. Yeah, and unfortunately, it works. Stone giants. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Brilliant. Ah, um, ah. Oh, no. We've got to head into the minds of Moria, everyone. I mean, oh, whatever the next, the next bit is in this one. <laughs> Bilbo nearly dies and decides, fuck this, I'm off. Yeah. But then he gets suckered by a Nesbit. Yeah, always. Oh, that's why That's why I'm Sorry. still with Barclays. <laughs> it will get you. He really will. I don't want it. I have my own money. I don't need a bunch of people who don't have any of their own money. And then he just looks sad. <laughs> oh, no, look, I didn't. I I didn't mean I didn't mean no it's no it's fine you should go off with your own money <laughs> I wish you all the good luck in the world oh fuck I'm st- all right all right James Nesbit all right open a savings account for me this is literally their second interaction by the way yeah. the first one was throwing a snotty handkerchief at him <laughs> <laughs> but Bilbo's the asshole yeah 
but they fall into Artemis Fowl's under, underworld. Oh no, I hate that. And uh, I take him before it. King. Take him before King Barry Humphreys. Seen here without makeup. King, Fuck that guy. King fucking <laughs> absolute cunt. Barry Humphreys. <laughs> So King Cunt is going to sell the dwarfs back to the main orc dude. King Cunt. We haven't felt the need to mention yet in our plot rundown. Yeah. Oh, I did once in the flashback. We did once. He'll he's be got, around. He's got... Yeah, he's, I've established him. That's that's good enough for me. Fan of the Hobbit. But, oh my God, Gollum. Wow, Gollum's in this. And, oh, wait. Oh, he's in the book. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Hang on. I, I wondered why this interaction felt more fun and sort of dark, yeah. but a bit lighthearted and fun. Yeah. What if they did a movie like this? Can't, genuinely can't imagine it, mate. <laughs> Bilbo cheats at the riddle game, but gets away with it yeah. until Gollum realises he's lost his ring, just like I did one eventful evening in Ramsgate. <laughs> oh. And just like my evening in Ramsgate, B- Bilbo has it and uses it to escape. <laughs> he's still up there. Um, <laughs> we're, we're praying for him, but it's looking yeah. looking grim. Tell you what else is looking grim. The goblins have started singing a jaunty song. Well, maybe they aren't so bad. Bones will be shattered, necks will be rocked, you'll be eaten and Anyway. anyway, Gandalf's here with a magic ability that seems to be able to knock literally everyone over. There's going to be a lot of times when that's going to be very useful. I look forward to seeing minutes. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of running pool and a lot of, uh, a lot of nonsense. Yeah. Well, some nonsense goes on for ages until eventually they escape. And then they yeah. get chased up a tree by the orcs. Yeah. Uh, but Gandalf uses some Gandalf cocktails, which is just setting fire to a pine cone. Apparently it's fucking badass. Yeah. But it, it backfires, literally. And now the whole situation is on fire. Oh, God. By situation, Gandalf, do you mean the forest? Yes. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> uh, Look oh at the God, fucking Ell- majesty of this situation. I'll tell you what, Lindsay Ellis is right, though. It is annoying that they're using the Ringwraith theme here for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Many, uh. many a time are the, uh, <laughs> the musical choices in this movie annoying, Paul. Uh well, Beanie Twatty Wooden Shield Dwarf gets beaten down and bit by a wog. Fuck. But Bilbo bloody charges the big dwarf. Take that, you prick. Yeah, there you go. Not bad. And then the eagles show up just in fucking time, as always. Yeah. And they all get away. Yeah. Oh, could you just eat that one orc, Mr. Eagle? No? Oh. Okay. Shame. I really that feel one. like we'd save ourselves a lot of bother if you just ate that one orc. A lot of CGI uh, special effects money. You're very big. So, Thorin does a meme, and they all look towards the sunset. The end. Oh, there's a dragon. A terrible-looking Sean Connery-esque dragon. Excellent. With a wonderful eye, and... <laughs> and he might be a Cumberbatch. He might be. Might be. Might not be. Find out he next is. time on the Hobbit trilogy. So, yeah. I'll say just briefly before we get into opinions, I did have some reservations about doing all of this, because... Because they're fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, they're all fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think so with the prequels, actually, much to our horror. Uh, okay. But also, the same three... The same things are wrong with all three movies. Um, So I feel like we are going to repeat ourselves a little bit. And secondly, Lindsay Ellis and Just Right have done what I think are definitive video essays on this franchise. And I hate to repeat what they've said, but, you know, they were dead on. But then again, both of those things are true of the prequels. True. You know, same issues with each one, definitive video essay already existing on it, both true. So we're going to have our own spin and we're going to focus on what really put us off personally. Yeah, I think that's that's the key. And and like it or not, Paul, we are uh, we are critics in uh, we are in 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 the public domain in in the same way, maybe not to the same extent. Mm. Um, And I know that whenever something insightful about the prequels of The Hobbit comes out, I'm I'm very interested in, in watching it. That's whether true. or not just right or yeah. Lindsay Ellis have, have done it. Um yeah. and 
And I do also want to talk about it. Well, let's talk about that. Why Why would you like to talk about it, sir? Oh, no, I, I, I just want to talk about The Hobbit. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. It was, what, how, where were you at when it came out in 2012? Where was I at? Well, so emotionally. Two, 20, physically. 2012 is when I moved to China. That's right. And so that might have come out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out whilst I was there because I watched the first one over there. The last movie you watched before you moved away was The Dark Knight Rises, which came out July 2012. Yeah. That was the last time I yeah. saw you. So, yeah, we caught yeah. up, I think, via email. Mm. Yeah, I saw the first one and then when I was over there. And then I imagine I saw the second one. Did it come out the following year in 2013? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 2013. Was, was it a Christmas release again? Or Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I just remember mostly being underwhelmed, mm. feeling non nonplussed, slightly puzzled as to why these movies were the way they were. Mm. And um, d- having these distinct moments of boredom, um, espe- we'll get onto it, especially in the second movie. Um, yes, and then absolutely. The th- and then the third movie I saw again in China, actually, and I was outraged. Mm. <laughs> Um, for for reasons we'll get into and it's just I always remembered it as such a departure in 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 the the worst sense imaginable from Lord of the Rings they made a list of everything that made Lord of the Rings great and said okay we're we're not going to do any of this and, and and show to everybody we can still make a good film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, w- it was very unfortunate in that respect. It was because, yes, I remember the excitement of it. I remember the trailers coming out and all being mm. really excited because we're massive Lord of the Rings fans, obviously. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. They came out in just the right ages for us. And I think we've listed, I think each of us had a Lord of the Rings film in our favorite films of all time list when we did that back in 2016. Yeah, and it was mostly that because we couldn't, we didn't want to include yeah. the whole trilogy. But I'm pretty well, sure yeah, we exactly. said the whole trilogy anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Although I would stick by Fellowship being the strongest of the three, yes. I think. Although sometimes yes. that moves around. Anyway, um, yeah, so we we're both very excited by this. I remember the trailers with the Misty mm. Mountain song in it, and it was all very mm-hmm. exciting. Went to the cinema with. Our friends Xavier and Katie, Christmas 2012, a Christmas mm. Lord of the Rings film. It was perfect, oh, you know. Yeah. Completely halcyon, just really took you back. You know, I can't remember much of my initial reaction except feeling vaguely nauseated by the HDR. Right. Because it did That's make what me wanted. feel a bit sick. It, it, mm. it, the problem is there's no motion blur and everything is too clean. We'll come on to that in a moment. But I remember feeling vaguely queasy watching this movie, particularly right. during the, the mountain, the mine sequence. Yeah. And then it just didn't live with me. I don't remember going and seeing it again. I remember getting the extended Blu-ray the following year for Christmas, largely just because it was something to get. Um, And I think I watched through it with mum and she just got very, very bored. Yeah. And I ended up buying the rest, but like it never blew my mind or thrilled me. No. Did we watch... Did we watch a supercut of the three? Yes, we did. You and I, uh, yeah. many years later, ahead of, only just ahead of One Good Thing. We might have been doing some prep work for One Good Thing, you know, during that session. Yeah. The very first one. But yes, it seemed we very much supercut. a spiritual sister Yeah, <laughs> to what we ended up doing. <laughs> well, indeed. The idea was that this was going to be only the stuff from the books com- mm. uh, compiled together into one long movie. And it was still really long. Like, I think it was still six hours long. Yeah. And all yeah. I remember is that eventually it got to the Battle of the Five Armies and it was like, well, they've failed their brief here because the Battle of the Five Armies is a paragraph because Bilbo gets knocked out at yeah. the beginning of it and then wakes yes. up at the end of it, you know? So yes, I don't know how you'd have done that with editing, but nevertheless, they included most of the third movie. 
There mm. was no need to. Yeah. That was one I remembered watching an unexpected journey yesterday was the fact that we have the Battle of the Five Armies to come. And mm. it's the entirety of the third movie, pretty much. And bar- yeah, barely a page. And yeah. just thinking, it's not even that the, the new stuff is the problem. It, yeah. the, the, the new stuff is very obviously new because it's not it's not as well written um, or as seeped in lore as uh, the existing existing product. And yeah. as we've said before, you know, there's no issue with adapting the source material and changing it yeah, to fit absolutely. to fit your vision, to fit the truth that you want to tell with this story. But uh, and I've got to say, I did appreciate some of the you know the insight it offered into dwarves' motivations. But ultimately. It, it does feel rather cynical, mm. um, whether whether or not it's f- for financial gain or or something, I, I don't know, self in, self-indulgence. It always comes off as cynical, unnecessary, and it makes me just think, why why didn't they, you know, because they, ch- they change things in the, in the original, tr- in the original mm. tridge. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful <laughs> and, and, work uh, of adaptation, of pruning yeah, back, and... and- yeah, it's pruning. That's it. It's pruning, not... That not one's pruning. This one's stuffing. Filling, yeah. Yeah. My main issues can be broken down fairly simply. I, it's, mm. The film is uninterested in its own story. This feels like an extended cut, and the fact mm. that there's an even more extended cut is fucking terrifying to me. Yeah. It's absolutely full of the extraneous and yeah. just doesn't want to focus in on <sighs> the actual story yeah. it's got. Oh, we've got the characters here. Here's time for another prologue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 45 minutes in. It's, it's so much <sighs> exposition is being delivered. It doesn't yeah. develop its characters nearly enough, and Bilbo is not the main character of his own movie. Which yeah. I remember seeing some people complain about Frodo in The Fellowship of mm. the Ring back in the day. Which yeah. I think, yes, maybe, but there is interesting stuff going on around Bilbo, around Frodo, and none mm. of it feels like it's reaching out beyond the frame of its movie. It no. all feels like it's an essential part of the journey of The Fellowship to Mordor. Yes, this frequently gets distracted and just wanders away from the main narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because it means you don't yeah. get too invested in what this journey actually means for the characters. Yeah. Visually, it's too digital. It's too clean. It captures too much because yeah. of this hyper high definition. Everything looks yeah. like a set or a green yes. screen. Yeah. And there's one moment where they first see Rivendell and the reverse shot of the dwarfs, it's so obvious they're on a set. And it yeah. looks like, because of the hyper frame rate, behind the scenes footage. It looks yes. like the making of. Yeah, I mean, if, if it doesn't look like that, it ends up looking like B-movie garbage. When we when yeah. we first introduced to Thorin, we opened the door to him. It's yeah. so obviously, yeah, it's like a CG night sky behind him. Yeah. It's, um, it looks, it, it just looks so janky. And, and, and you know, the the reliance on CGI to do things like sweeping mm. shots. We've yeah. we've said this before. A sweeping shot of a hundred dwarves walking, yeah. you know, uh, across a plane yeah. is not impressive. Yeah. The 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 the, the, the follow the scene that followed that uh, particular mm. uh, sh- the shot that followed that particular shot, which is Thorin standing on an outcrop of rock, a real yeah. outcrop of rock, while we've got real New Zealand in the background, is yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely. There's yeah. some great shots of New Zealand, as you'd expect, you know, yeah. which uh, it's just... all the more biting for considering how willing the studios seem to be f- to threaten to move the whole thing to Eastern Europe. It just, Stupid. It doesn't have the relationship with its homeland that you hoped no. the first one would have. I don't know if there were yeah. tensions there well, as well. It's, but... it's, it's, it's just decisions to, you know, oh, yeah, we can, we can use a, a digital camera, a CGI camera to go. Yeah. A hundred meters deep into a into a yeah. cave. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It doesn't make me go wow. And they this... were 
look how incredible and this looks. It was it's the exception just... rather than the rule in the original trilogy. You had like the descent from mm. the top of Isengard into the mines, you know, beneath, which is a big yeah. sinking thing. But it ends, it begins and ends on practical elements. This yes. is just, yeah, all too often you don't know if what you're seeing is real. And so none of it feels real. Also, there is a scene yeah. in The Fellowship of the Ring where Bilbo is telling a bunch of kids the story of how he nearly got eaten by trolls. And, you know, mm. he's using, he's speaking to them, he's using his language, he's saying that they talked about how they were going to cook us, whether they wanted to sit on us one by one and squish us into jelly, you know, and it's a bit mm. silly and the kids are all sort of doing it. That's how The Hobbit works. It's a kid's story that's yes. full of comedy and silliness and a lighthearted fantasy yes. that feels very much like Tolkien's writing when he would write, you know, letters to his kids and pretend to be yeah. Santa, for example. This movie is yeah. too portentous. There's not enough feel for mm. whimsy. The dwarves arriving one yeah. at a time. It doesn't feel like a charming fairy uh, kids book. It feels like mother. Yeah, it, it feels like a home Darren invasion. Yeah. mother. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I love Shaw's score, but it's so overactive here, giving us almost no moments of quiet. Yeah, and treating everything as if it's epic. I feel like that's it's doing yeah. all the emotional. Uh, heavy lifting in the movie every time you are yes. you know you're supposed to be feeling something about the dwarves is when a piece from Ugh. the original trilogy plays and, yeah. and, and it's like oh okay great we're supposed to feel something about their plight and we know noth- nothing about it also what's happening with bilbo yeah. again it's yeah. yeah it's 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 all it's all very forced isn't it the big sin of it all mm. is that it just makes me it does actually make me think less of lord of the rings it makes me go back and think about it and think about all the st- all the problems I have with mm-hmm. the Hobbit and how they are actually present in the Lord of the Rings the trilogy. Mm. And it reminds me of what Christopher Tolkien said about the movies, which was, you know, he he liked them a lot, and he said it's very admirable how Peter Jackson has made such effective action movies out of my dad's writing. Mm. And you do think, yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. And that was in such a way that was very exciting for me as a teen. Mm. And I still really love because it taps into the nostalgia mm. and it brings me back to that childhood sense of wonder. Mm. Nevertheless, I can see now what the issues are. And in particular, after The Green Knight came out. Okay. Because I don't think J.R. Tolkien would have enjoyed The Hobbit movies, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies yeah. very much. Yeah. But I think he might have enjoyed The Green Knight. I think, yeah. And so... I think so. Yeah. So in, in the Lord of the Rings defense, mm. the action scenes, um, are, 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 despite being huge, feel few and far mm. between. And they always feel... I mean, for yeah. one thing, they, they are... Excuse me. They exist as part of the original story, but that's kind of by the by. It's, it's, yeah. it's more that you kind of get why these characters are where they are and why they're fighting. And and everything True. in The Hobbit was, you know, Bilbo's distracting. I, I was saying to Nell when it was happening, I was like, doesn't Bilbo just distract the the trolls? And, they, you know, and, mm. then, and then suddenly he's talking to the trolls and the dwarves come in and yeah. it's a big battle scene and then they get captured rather than just, just yeah. captured. And and it's yeah. it's all very have to have to just have another action scene in there and another action scene and another one. But that's in Lord. When I look at Lord of the Rings now, I see that like the whole staircase bit in Fellowship of the Ring, where they're just running down the stairs and then suddenly orcs yeah. are attacking and the staircase is falling True. and they have to swing back and forth. Like I love those movies. And mm. when I say action movie, I don't just mean the action sequences. Mm. I mean the whole thing is now structured like an action movie yeah. of sort of you know instigating action. Okay. Moving on. And it's not a criticism necessarily. Mm. They've managed to build a really wonderful, absorbing, compelling mm. action film. Mm. And that's great. That's a wonderful thing. Um, and a very purely cinematic thing. Mm. And that spirit of adventure is definitely there, mm. along with a great deal of the sort of sense of wonder and spirituality that Tolkien put into his books. Yeah. And here it's all lacking and it just feels like a machine. 
Yes. A ruthlessly efficient machine yeah. that is also just completely misguided and mm. firing and misfiring. But if it's efficient, it's not at making a movie. It's No, it's, 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 it's efficient at doing what it needs to do, yeah. of meeting franchise obligations. Boxes, yeah. yeah. You have to separate Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, otherwise it's going to yeah. poison it. Because whether yeah. or not it was like the Lord of, Lord of the Rings was just um, like lightning in a bottle and it's never going to happen again... Yeah. Or if it was just um, necessity breeding invention, the the fact that Peter Jackson didn't see like he had the tech, the technology, you know, available yeah. to do the make the Lord of the Rings he wanted, and so he had to rely on, you know, clearly inferior practical effects. Um, yeah, it, it, it is it, it is, is what it is, and it and it and it works, and it does work. It works really mm. well because I'm just sitting here thinking of Merry and Pippin, mm. the two two characters from the Fellowship, who probably if you add up the screen time. It's not going to come to much. And yet, I have such a compelling sense of them as characters. Yes. I feel like I know them yes. really well. And I don't think that's just nostalgia or the fact that I watched it at the right age. They have characters. They have characters that Billy Boyd and uh, Dominic, Dominic Monaghan, Monaghan yeah. built together and yes. sort of made authentic to the point where you really, only their first scene does so much more yeah. at characterizing who they are than anything that's done with the dwarves yeah. inside of Bilbo's home, where they are just a singular entity, barely which is fine as well. Yeah. They're, they're allowed to be just the dwarves. Yeah. In the book, they are often just the dwarves. Yeah. There's no like moment where Killy does something particularly interesting yeah. or memorable. But the key to that is Bilbo is your main character. Yes. Stick with Bilbo. Yeah. Don't get distracted by other nonsense. Yes. It, considering that the, the the movies are called The Hobbit, it, it does yes. it does just make you Where's question. The yeah. Why are we being shown this this thing about um the orc? I don't didn't even learn his name because <laughs> he's that yeah. irrelevant to me. You know the the yeah, and Jesus. this this backstory of the dwarves again. It's interesting. Yeah. It points to get insight into. It's appendix stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing is they did say we drew in stuff from the appendices. Well, the reason those are appendices is because they are not a part of the main story. Yeah. And and they really they really have nothing to do with this. And like yeah. a, a lot of it, it's it unfocused. Yeah. And 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 you obviously a lot of it is just setting up the Lord of the Rings. So so people yeah. can go, "Oh, okay, that's how it fits in." And it gets more pandering yeah. as we go on. Um I was Jesus Christ. Um, I was I I have chills thinking about what's coming yeah. like the love triangle Ugh. alfred <laughs> legolas oh god legolas oh no is Le- like is alfred nothing. the monobrow guy yeah the comic relief guy oh god i, I yeah i was thinking of him oh. yesterday and it was just making me really upset we're gonna spread this out just cringing in anticipation <laughs> we're gonna yeah. spread these out we're gonna do the next one i don't know next year or something <laughs> yeah god it's um, oh, it, it's so oh god, yeah, it, it fills you with like it's so upsetting that, like, like, I think after this, I'm going to sell my three copies of the extended edition of The Hobbit because I no genuinely price. cannot think of when I'm going to sit down and watch these again. I got very yeah. little fun or enjoyment out of this. Even nostalgia yeah. for, like, ten years ago, you know, which is yeah. not an inconsiderable amount of time. I get nostalgia for things from ten years ago. You know, that was the yeah. event, the first Avengers movie and The Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Those are actually yeah. quite nostalgic films for me now. Um, yeah, I got nothing from this. It just feels so bland. Yeah, it's I'm not invested in it. No, that's that's it ultimately. Yeah. Um, I had mm. one one other thing. Sorry, it was just it was just about the movie feeling um episodic. Yes, um, which the book the, is fairly episodic in terms of you know we yeah. do this bit and this bit and this but, bit and that's fine. It could have been yeah. something as glorious as Beyond the Seventh Door, but it wasn't mm. because. Mm. They didn't actually stick <laughs> yeah. the characterization of Bilbo. I mean, 
Yeah, the Green Knight is episodic. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's, it's, it's perfect. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but but you but you always have a sense of the overarching, uh, yeah. like the the story, which is very simple, and and, and the world that he's in. But yeah. this 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 is episodes that feel like they're coming from a fragmented mind. Yes, because what's the story um, here? The story is the dwarves want their homeland back. Fine, there's mm. interesting stuff you could do there. For Bilbo, it was mm. just about having an adventure. He wants something to happen yeah. to him. Maybe he's bored, mm. or he's, I don't know. Feel like that's the thing. I can't remember how it is in the book, but I didn't get a great sense in this of why. Eventually, I know why he stays. No. He stays because he starts to empathize with the dwarves and realizing that they are looking for their own bag end and that they don't have well, it. Then he, yeah, he tells you that, so you know. Yeah, he tells you that out, out loud. <laughs> but what what yeah. gets him out the door? What is it that has him running out? You know, he, I want to go on an adventure. Oh, in 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 the book or the movie? It, well, what happens in the book? The movie is nothing really. Well, yeah, he sees he just sees the contract yeah. that he hasn't signed and goes, "Oh, okay, I will actually." Oh, okay. The the book, I I I cannot remember. No, uh, but the point just, is, they yeah. don't justify it in the film. They don't find a good yeah. reason for Bilbo to want to make that first step, really. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a huge part of his motivation that's missing. Anyway, let's yeah. actually get to quick, quick fire. fire. Yeah, yeah. Quick fire. I'll do production design. Is really good. I love the yeah. little. A drawing of Martin Freeman Bilbo that's the first you see of him when older yep. Bilbo turns the page and he sees a drawing that's great uh, the font of all of the writing is beautiful um, especially you know on subtitles yep. like establishing 10 years earlier or whatever uh, 60 yep. years earlier sorry the dwarves have yep. a giant hammer for smithing. Um a dwarf just holds <laughs> something up and two massive hammers just swing together and smash it to help mm. forge it and that was great um, yep. anything else regarding Dol Guldur, I thought, looked really cool. Uh, the ruined castle. Okay. Is com- that scene is complete nonsense that it's here. It's just setting up Sa- um, Sauron, but the actual yeah. castle itself looked really good. Um, yeah. I think that's it. Oh, the goblin grunts looked good. And again, the, the practical effects, I think. When the goblins sort of swarm yes. them and carry them over to the Goblin King, they looked good and kind okay. of freaky in a sort of the Descent style. Um, cool. And I liked uh, Westlife's story. Uh, um, sorry, costume. Mm. Uh, Westlife, I yeah. think, is the one who's going to have the love triangle. I thought his costume was particularly yeah. good. That was pretty good, yeah. I, I, I liked James Nesbitt's costume. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Westlife's brother was pretty oh, yeah, good. Boyzone. I thought. He, he, uh, okay, Boyzone, yeah. He had a, a bit of a big, shiny rubber nose oh, thing yeah. going on, but... Um, um, but compared to some of the others, it's not as not nearly as egregious. Mm. Um, did, yeah, I assume you mentioned the prosthetic uh, orc. He gets killed by a big CGI baddie. No, I didn't. The, the leftover orc. Nope. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's him. It's it's. There you go. <laughs> it's a real person. Yeah. In, in, in an actual in a costume. With, yeah. Filed down teeth. Look and yeah. Like I was talking to great. Jack whilst we were watching it and just thinking about Lurtz from the Fellowship of the Ring and how much better he looks yeah. than Agog. Oh Christ! Yeah. Just uh, who'd have thunk it? A real person. Who'd have thunk it? Ian Holmes was amazing. I love Ian yep. Holmes, and yep. I really enjoy him here. Um, interestingly, oh. Del Toro actually kind of wanted to use him and have him as an older Hobbit at the beginning, who's kind of lost his mm. sense of adventure. So that one might have been interesting. Um, and he has a couple of really good lines in there. Um, when Frodo interrupts him writing, he's just um, that is private. Keep your sticky paws off. It's not ready yet. <laughs> not ready for what? Reading. Yeah. Like it's just. It was really sweet. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, yeah. There was a shot actually of of Bilbo walking down the hall of his house at the beginning with sort of 
mm. you know, holding a, a candle, and the darkness was obviously following him the further he went into the the hall. And yeah, you know, in in light of Bilbo aging and actually, you know, Ian Holmes' death, it's it's yeah. it was very um, yeah. Oh god, it really resonated. It was um, very touching. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. In in terms of performances, uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah, yeah. As, as a whole, I I really liked his. He does nonplussed yep. very well. Um, yeah, he's always done nonplussed very well, yeah. and it was it was appropriate here. Yeah, especially after Gandalf's obtuse remark on you know his fra- on his good morning greeting. Um, yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, he does when he checks his post and then says goodbye to Gandalf, and he he does yeah. a kind of <laughs> noise. Yes, um, <laughs> which uh, yes, which, was, which was surprising and great. Um, In that interaction as well, I do like Gandalf's line of, Well, you know my name, although you don't remember I belong to it. I'm Gandalf. Yes. I know it's a Tolkien line it because it's you know sounds fairly clever and it's quite yeah. poetic in its structuring. But yeah, it's um, it's good. I like it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I also liked his scene with Gollum, which was filmed as a as an entire piece from what I yeah. From what I read, and you, and you can tell with how um, that scene flows, when he's getting the riddle's answer, he's you know very excited, and Gollum's moaning, and Bilbo goes, oh, "It wasn't that hard, actually." The answer is time. <laughs> actually, it wasn't that hard. The first dwarf arrives. Mm. Some of the chit chat that happens during the dwarf conversation see- uh, scenes are nice. Mm. Uh, the first dwarf that arrives is played by someone called McTavish, as his surname. Graham McTavish. Ray McTavish. Graham. The boldest man, Graham. There you go. Graham McTavish. Actual person. <laughs> um, but when when the doorbell goes, he just turns to Bilbo and says, That'll be the door. That's, yeah. That's good. I enjoyed that. Oh, you may um, Graham McTavish. <laughs> and then I think it's after Rebus shows up. Mm. And, uh, uh, Bilbo says something like, uh, nice day, isn't it? And he says, yes, yes it is. Although it uh, might rain later. Which was a very nice sort of nonsense bit of chit-chat that I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah that was good. <laughs> I thought the song was quite good. The the um, the Misty Mountain song, that is. It actually yes. put me into the adventurous mood um, and was the first thing to uh, to do so. I, I really like the Missy Mountains song. I didn't yeah. didn't like uh, what makes Bilbo Baggins no things that Bilbo Baggins hate or whatever it's called. Yeah, there were bits of that song I like, like when they're stamping and sort of starting up yes. the momentum. I kind of liked it, but no, in general, the song isn't very good. Well, what what I my main issue with it was the editing. Oh god, uh, the close ups on everybody's face. Yeah, what I wanted uh, was more the Green Dragon, you know, from from yes. Lord of the Rings when. You can do Merry and Pippin on the table, yeah, and it's raucous, and everybody's just banging tankards around, and yeah, uh, and and it just gives you the feeling that you're in this pub. And this, I feel like this is meant to be a a rowdy, uh, raucous dwarven song, but it's it's filmed it like Mary Poppins. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Well, it's filmed in such a way that you just, you know how rehearsed it is. Yeah. Like, there's a bit where it cuts to, like, somebody's face so they can say a certain line, and it's just, okay, there's no spontaneity here. This is a very carefully planned out sequence, this lighthearted little song. Yeah. And that just kills a lot of the uh, the, the spirit behind it. Mm. Okay, I really like Gandalf talking about simple acts of good and mm-hmm. how they always went out, which I thought was very sweet. And, you know, it's after Gladriel asked him, why have you brought Bilbo with you? You know, why are you doing this? And it was just really sweet. Saruman believes that it is only a great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I found. I found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love I like that. And the subsequent moment between Gandalf and Gladriel was really good. Mm. Where she sort of rubs his face and assures him that, you know, he's not alone. Again, entirely not necessary for the thing, but ultimately because they were so uninterested in putting real emotional stakes into the main storyline, this is where I find it. Uh, Hugo Weaving had youth energy, I thought, in this. Uh, He's a young man. Love that guy. He's a young man. (laughs) 15 years old. (laughs) Um, that was really great. And I still did really appreciate yeah. Kate Blanchett and Christopher Lee turning up. Oh, even, yeah. Even though it was irrelevant to The Hobbit. It was um, yeah. just, com- there was something competent and familiar yeah. in that, within that, that scene. Good. Sad Nesbitt, when he says, yeah. uh, when he wishes Bilbo luck. No, you're right. We don't belong anywhere. I wish you all the luck in the world. I really do. Yeah, that got to me. That was very sweet. Just, I wish you yeah. all the luck in the world. Cool. I really do. That's, no. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, they do. That was good. Um, Christopher Lee saying, And a human sorcerer who calls himself the Necromancer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She bitch of the SS. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Karen. Um, I I remember liking this the first time I saw the film, and it it stuck with me again. When Bilbo falls down his little hole and Sting goes bouncing after him, Mm. the sound effects on Sting Mm. tumbling down the hole after him are very good. It makes it sound like it's made of glass or something. It's very good. Mm. Lovely. Lots of lots of great moments between Martin Freeman and and Gollum. Uh, For one thing, the um, Gollum's perplexed face when Bilbo starts his riddle. Yeah, his thinking about it. it, It's it's really lovely. Yeah, um, and then just I mean loads of loads of Gollum. Yeah, lines. Andy Serkis is still great. It was a definite highlight for me. Yeah, um, just from the Baggins's. It is a Baggins's. If if it loses precious, then we eat it. If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. It's fucking great. Nell, Nell pointed out that in both Lord of the Rings and The yeah. Hobbit, there's a difference. The difference between Smeagol and Gollum is the size of his pupils. Ah. And, uh, and, and watching that this time was really neat. Mm. Watching them dilate quickly and, and, yeah. and, and uh, uh, contract. Yeah. Retract. Retract. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they're protuberances. Good stuff. Um, yeah, that, that was a really fun detail. And yeah. I did like the callback to the, the, you know, the pity staying or a forward call call forward yeah, yeah. to uh, pity staying Bilbo's hand because um, it provoked half an emotional response from me yeah. it didn't need the mini escape after that yeah. it ruined it but yeah. but that actual moment was quite yeah, yeah. it was quite affecting absolutely um, mm. my last one actually is when 
when Bilbo is clasping after the ring as it's tumbling towards him, the way in which the ring sort of remains out of grasp and then suddenly slips onto his finger was very good at effectively demonstrating the idea that the ring has a will of its own. You know, mm. it's not definitely doing this, but it's, you know, it looks like it's sort of participating in this, in getting yeah. onto his finger. And I like that. Nice. I also like that. Um, yeah. I've only got a couple left. Okay. The, the maps, they're, they're still great. Oh, I, maps I love the map great. at the beginning. It's lovely. Well, that's really actually, lo- that's the one that Tolkien included with um, mm. The Hobbit, isn't it? Because it was always a weird angle, that map. I don't think it has, mm. I think it might have east at the top, like old-fashioned medieval maps do. Uh, okay. That's fun. Yeah. That's a fun detail. That's a fun little thing. Um, and the the line of Ian McKellen's when he storms away from the dwarves. Gandalf, where are you going? Seek the company of the only one around here who's got any sense. But who's that? Myself, Mr. Beggars. But yeah, that's that's a fun, that's a fun line. That's a fun. And that's a, that's a fun. And that's the end of the quick fire. Wonderful. Well, you know, I, can, I just can't help but wonder about the greatest fellowship oh of all. <gasps> The Fellowship of the OGT. Act the cast of Red Dwarf. <laughs> if, if, have any of them gotten in touch? We, we contact them every week. <laughs> still and, still um, nothing, but fingers crossed. Got my eyes on you, Robert. One time, the, the guy who plays Cat, Danny uh, LaRue, he, um, he once like took a selfie and we were in the background. Mm. So I thought that, I took that as a pretty good sign. Haggling, but, caught us haggling over sausages. Along with his Blade 2 poster. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so... Oh, team. Do you remember Lord of the Rings? It was good. But how about The Hobbit? <laughs> well, in response to that musical question from us, the pool boys, <laughs> the patrons answer. Let's, we're going over to the patrons first for giving us their money. Ooh. They get first first dibs. Um, first access to our butts. First in line to, to butt number one is Mark Reed. <laughs> uh, not a butt he says uh, in response to the question good things about the hobbit why does Gandalf have to be such a prick about the phrase good day he knows what it means <laughs> and he's just being rude you what fucking know <laughs> it does come across in, in the book we reread it and it's very whimsical yeah. and in the movie it does seem like alright Gandalf yeah, Jesus fuck Christ. off mate just ask you how just you how were. angry Ian McKellen was as a result of the Cop. green screens <laughs> yeah and you know I get it um, there were so many moments in this movie where I just thought oh he's, he's clearly he just hates he's this he's fucking hating this yeah yeah. Poor man. Aww. Thanks, Mark. Um, Ellen Graham said, "Come uh, crawling back, eh, Ellen?" Uh, ah, yeah. Well, she has something to say about munchings and/or crunchings. Specifically about that, she said. So the CGI is a disappointing factor and makes the whole world yep. look a bit plastic and weightless. But the casting uh-huh. of this film had such promise. True. Martin Freeman is perfect as Bilbo, and I really yep. enjoy the gravitas Richard Armitage lends to Thorin. I find Richard Armitage a little bit funny, and I think the problem mm. is in the third Poe movie. Faced. When he does his um, madness, it's quite yeah. amusing. In particular, two yeah. shots. One of him saying, does that sound like a deal that I would make? And then he gives him a little head tilt as if to say, hmm, seriously? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. at the end of that little sequence, when he's on the other end of the peaky hole with the elf, he just slides yeah. out of frame. Yeah. And it's very, very funny. So it's hard for me to separate I'm... that now when I see him in general yeah. in that costume. I'm really looking forward to that moment. It's going to be amazing. Oh, God. It's going to be the redeeming factor of that movie. I, I do find Richard Armitage a little po-faced in this. Mm. Uh, uh, so, yes, <laughs> but any, anyway, yeah. uh, valid point, Ellen. Mm. Uh, the first intro of Bilbo to the Dwarves captures the tone perfectly from the book and has a real sense of fun. Um, Again, it Ellen, felt a little home invasion-y. <laughs> Ellen, uh, F- Funny Games is my number one movie, Graham. Yeah, hanging out with Ellen does feel like a home invasion, so I imagine <laughs> that this is yeah. on, in, on, the, on the spot. In a good way, she tells me. 
Uh, oh, yeah. the, Mist- the Misty Mountains song is haunting and I still listen to it to this day. Yes, agreed. Brilliant. I love it. Yep. It had a real great like Gregorian chanting feel to it. Uh, God, that's brought something to my mind, which is that we, when we talk about the next one, I'm going to have to disclose the fact that I actually have very warm feelings towards the Ed Sheeran song recorded for it. Okay. Well, yeah, listen to I'll, that now and then. I like some Ed Sheeran. I feel like everyone likes one Ed Sheeran song. <laughs> this is yeah. mine. Yeah. What he did for the Hobbit movie. <laughs> which, you know, might as well. Um, she still listens to it this to it this day, the Misty mm. Mountains song, not the Ed Sheeran yep. song. I can't give you that information. <laughs> the Ed um, Sheeran song. And, and finally, uh, Balin's speech... That is one I could call king. Really set up the camaraderie and loyalty of the dwarves. I didn't like it. Uh, that this trilogy should have been centred on, but was just pissed away in favour of dorky love trilogies and pre-existing yeah, character yeah. fan service. And Elven Lee Pace is like someone made of all my girlhood crushes into one perfect package. And, and yes, every, that is something that we can all agree on. Nell's giving me a thumbs up. Um, consensus Again, at just, last. He's going to show up at the next few movies just riding a moose with his long yeah. hair. And yeah, I right, you're right. But oh, in my head, I've just imagined Inside Out. I would die for Riley. <laughs> I mean, if Lee Pace said that for any of us, he won't. That's true. It's gonna be. It's gonna be so perfect. weird when he's a weird elf racist in the next one. Yeah, but he does the moose thing. So he does that. the moose thing, and it's pretty good. Thanks for that. Hey, everyone, let's all do the Thanks, moose Ellen. thing with Ellen and Mark. Uh, <laughs> new, new dance. Okay, moving over to Twitter. I, hope I wasn't too dismissive of any of Ellen's points there. There's some really good I, stuff. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think we and Ellen, Ellen and we. I think we, we both accept that we're I, never going to see eye to eye on almost anything. Almost anything. I think we're all yeah. close enough that we can disagree with one another and and yeah. it be it not damage our relationship too much. Not too much. But you know what bloody Ellen's like. So uh, Beck, uh. Starling Girl from the wonderful <laughs> Role Plus Heart said, yes. songs, I always felt the Lord of the Rings movies were missing out on. Uh, for example, Tom Bombadil randomly singing for several pages, which delighted me <laughs> as a child. So I did enjoy the dwarves having a couple of good old sing songs. Also, That's James, true. Nes- James Nesbitt is fantastic in anything. Yes, he is. He's wonderful. And mm. yeah, I agree. I like the songs. That's why I feel like a, a different director is what was needed here. And it's a shame that after mm. Del Toro, they just defaulted to Jackson. It reminds mm. me of, you know, Trevor leaving. And it's like, oh boy, now we can get any other director in the world. Oh no, the guy who did the first one. Okay. He's already sitting in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> he's, already, he's already screaming action. Written the name written his name onto the back of the chair it's like you read it on the camera lens i'd have loved to see someone else come in and take a different approach at this because yes the songs could have been really good in a film with a bit of a lighter touch and a you know yeah not on horrible green screen yeah uh oh uh, she continues but i did oh. really struggle to watch these movies for all the obvious reasons yeah. but also because i once witnessed martin freeman being really rude to an enthusiastic teenager and now i, I just know. resent seeing him in anything oh well, that sucks when that happens when yeah. you just suddenly go off someone yeah christopher bond said is The Hobbit that bad? Uh, depends what you mean. Yeah, uh, We didn't like it. Uh, so objectively, it Chris. <laughs> so, I've got nine on Facebook. None. So, fuck everyone. Thanks, thanks OG, OG fucks. You're the best. Yeah. Um, you're right. There's a lot to like here, and I'm really glad that some people brought out some of the good qualities here. But, yeah, yeah ultimately, it does just feel like a bit of a missed opportunity, does the old Hobbit. But we shall explore that show. more next year. So, Paul, what's the one better thing? The one better thing. Oh, my one better thing. Um, I am currently reading Stephen Erickson's Malaysian Book of the Fallen. Uh, oh yeah, and it is a yeah fantasy series, uh, ten a ten book cycle that is actually finished. So f- for that reason alone, it stands um, unbesmirched uh, in in the world of fantasy series. Mm. It's um it, it centers around the Malaysian Empire uh, and their various campaigns across the world, um, but at the same time telling stories from all around this world and it just hints at this incredible wider world that is older than we mm. could possibly imagine 
and would ever be possible to cover. Um, and it has this feel of a vast, sprawling history, kind of yeah, like a, like a Herodotus or or a um, uh, Bede. Is it Bede? I don't know. <laughs> Bede, the 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 British, the sort of ancient or medieval British ah. historian. Uh, yeah, it's got that kind of feel to it. Oh, it's, you it's mean Andrew Mars? That's the one. Oh, yeah. That's the one. Only his ears are aging. Try and hang on one. Hang on him. You can't. <laughs> Sign of an old ear. Um, yeah. And yeah, this is kind of, you know, The Hobbit trying to do what it did by drawing in things from the Silmarillion and the Unfinished yeah. Tales, uh, but doing it very badly. Um, if you if you fancy a big meaty fantasy series to get your teeth into, listen. Do it. Get, get your teeth in it and all the way through it because yeah. it's going to really reward you. I expect... Yeah. I still haven't read the copy that you've bought me yet. I will do so as soon as I have a few months at hand. Um, Now, (laughs) right, when Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings, he drew very heavily from two specific things. One of them was sort of Icelandic sagas, and the other was medieval sort of French and European history, uh, literature. Uh, Fortunately, in the last 12 months, we've had two movies based on each of these that have been just near perfect. One of them is, of course, The Green Knight, based on the Mm. um, 14th century um, sort of British uh, legend, um, variously interpreted by various people, including being committed Mm -hmm. to um, verse by Chaucer, I think, at one stage. Okay, yeah. but yeah, it's just an absolutely stunning film by David Lowry. It's yeah, one of our favorite films of last year. We've both talked about it, and it is just the best. Mm. You need to watch it yeah. because it's, it, yeah, it's everything that's just superb about that kind of literature. It's magnanimous. It's mysterious. It's incredibly fanciful. It draws you into its world. It has fascinating characters, mm-hmm. weird little symbolism, and incredibly interesting moral lessons. Um, and then we also had just recently the Northman. By David Eggers, by David Willem Dafoe's a fucking is it fish Robert god. Eggers? Eggers. David's the author, isn't he? Oh, fuck. Too many Eggers. Hashtag too many Eggers. <laughs> you want to make an omelette, Paul? Can't make a great film without breaking some Eggers. Yeah, it's Robert Eggers. Yeah. Robert Eggers, excellent film, um, just released, uh, which is, yeah, kind of the story of, a little bit the story of Hamlet set in a 12th century sort of Icelandic um, mm. Nordic uh, saga it's just excellent it's really good Alexander Skarsgård is fucking magnificent mm. um, the entire car Anya Taylor-Joy is haunting everything about it the production design the pacing the the risks it's willing to take with the story it's not as daring or as bold as The Green Knight but it's still just an absolutely beautiful film and yeah completely absorbing into its world and into its story wonderful well there you go two films to get on you get into it Please. And whilst you're at it, get into the OG team by doing this. Uh, who'd help us with the one better thing. The one better thing. Sometimes. And the, uh, Sometimes. Other than that, though, you can uh, reach us on Twitter and Facebook at OGTPod. Send us an email at gmail at OGTPod at gmail.com. We have a Patreon where for as little as a dollar a month. <laughs> I know. <laughs> crazy. Oh, my you God. Can, uh, get, you get exclusive access to, to film chats, such as the recently released uh, best opening movie scenes of all time. Um, the definitive objective. Definitely, definitely. Yep. Um, no arguing Sean's with that. To be, yeah, definitely. Sean's to be pulled with, um, <laughs> where Sean Fleur comes on after... Uh, our, our lovely Godzilla chat to yeah. uh, talk more about himself and the films that relate to it. 
and <laughs> it. it being himself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, oh, we've got a whole There's so bunch of stuff, much back stuff there. up there, and we're doing new things, including very soon our first ever Patreon exclusive episode reviewing Alien Resurrection. So check that out. Yes. Please. Yes, please. 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 Thanks. Actually, don't. Change my mind. I don't want you no. in there. So oh. Don't do it. I'm doing I'm doing the reverse psychology. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, back off your fucking dicks. Stop being so clingy, wanting content Jesus. all the time that we're happy to produce because it's great. Yeah. I'm Paul, don't sign up. I'm great Patreon content that isn't for you. <laughs> and remember, the one good so. thing about the Hobbit, an unexpected virtue, is that yeah, Martin Freeman makes a pretty good billboard.